You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leibel, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leibold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. A late pass from Long, he's got Leibold with him. Long walks in, centers, goal! Leibold's right-hand shot rotates and then sends it along back to Leibold. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leobold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leobold throwing right after right, and just connecting like crazy. Once I met Heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. Guys, this is episode number 45. If you're counting them down, you know that's five away from episode 50. Uh, episode 50 is going to feature my dad, Brian. Uh, that's the one I think we're both a little nervous for. Uh, we haven't uh, talked too much about uh, what we're going to discuss in that podcast, but it's my hopes that uh, our story uh, will be able to help the hockey community, uh, parents and players, coaches alike. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Dad, if you're listening, I don't even think you realize uh, how much I am looking forward to that. Uh, Guys, today is my birthday. I'm 33 years old. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone that reached out to me and wished me a happy birthday. Uh, Dating back, uh, well, last year I was in jail for my birthday. Uh, I think I spent two of the last four or three of the last four birthdays in jail, to be honest, guys. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really on social media. And and the few years that I was on social media in the past five or six, I think maybe I had three or four people wish me a happy birthday. Um, That's how, that's kind of where my life was at. So it was almost overwhelming. I think I had over like 1,500 people wish me a happy birthday today on Facebook. So thank you very much. Every single one means the world to me. Uh, And a very, very special thank you to Erin Miller, uh, who was on the podcast. And she's the mother of Chad Miller, who passed away. He was a junior A hockey player. He passed away of a heroin overdose while he was away playing junior hockey in the United States. And uh, very tragic story, but she sent me a copy of her book. It arrived today on my birthday uh, and and actually sent me a roll of Chad Miller's tape from his hockey bag, like his hockey tape. Uh, along with a couple of the Miller Strong wristbands. So thank you so much to Erin. She also has another gift for the Puckspore Foundation uh, when we finally meet in person. I can't wait for that. Uh, Another special thank you to 
Donna Reed, a very close family friend of ours. Uh, Donna stopped by and gave me a birthday present. Uh, I got to spend a couple hours with her uh, early this afternoon. So thank you, Donna. It, uh, it's always nice to see you. You always uh, bring a smile to my face. Um, you know, uh, we're all in your corner. Uh, we know you're fighting a, a battle uh, with cancer right now, but uh, you know, you look great and you looked at my spirits today. Uh, and uh, my thoughts and prayers are always with you, Donna. And it's uh, always a pleasure whenever I get to spend any time with you. So thank you so much. Uh, and a big shout out to, to my dad, Brian, uh, and Taylor's mom, Bev, and uh, her grandma, who also got me cards. So thank you, guys. Uh, little things like that go a long, long, long ways. Uh, if you're listening, I hope you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can check them out anywhere on social media, at HockeyPodNet, or on their website, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Guys, they have 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. Doesn't matter what team you cheer for, we have a podcast for you. And then on top of that, we have Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, plus Tales with TR, Terry Ryan's podcast, uh, Ice Analytics, House of Hockey, and uh, the Fourth Line podcast, which is uh, all about fighting and in, in hockey in the minor leagues and just about grinding it out, uh, that role in hockey. Check it out, guys, at Hockey Podnet. I want to give a special thanks to Dylan and Isha once again from the Hockey Podcast Network. They've been great and uh, a great uh, source of support for for me. So thank you to them. And sometimes I'm late with my episodes and uh, I can be a little bit uh, testy my moods. Not so much lately, uh, but in the beginning, uh, you know, I have, I have anger issues uh, and I'm working on those. Uh, and they've been extremely patient and professional uh, with me. So thank you guys. Uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart, it really means the world to me. Um, what else is going on? Uh, if you're following along, uh, you know about the Puxbar Foundation. And holy shit, um, yesterday was uh, a very, very cool experience for me. I got to talk to Joe Murphy, uh, former first overall pick. He won the Stanley Cup with Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, very very well-known story he's actually been struggling with homelessness and addiction for years um the nhlpa did reach out to try to help him and there has been a little bit of help uh but you know it was my suspicion that there's been kind of limited help and, and i was kind of questioning the help that um was given and i'm not saying that n nobody tried and, and i believe that there was people that tried uh but you know ashley langdon and myself were, were able to uh, talked to him yesterday uh, and I actually spoke with his sister Kathy today uh, for like an hour and um, just amazing uh, and I got some really exciting news but we're gonna keep it uh, we're gonna keep it really close to home at the Puck Support Foundation uh, but it looks like we're gonna be able to stay in contact with Joe and, and especially his sister so um, I'm not saying that we're gonna be able to save him by any means but the fact that we were able to reach him uh, and introduce him to the Puck Support Foundation like when I started the whole thing uh, you know, I, I that's when I found his story and I was like, wow, this would be like my ultimate goal to be able to talk to this guy. Just talk to him and, and just try to level with him and be like, hey, you know, I've been in that situation too. Maybe not first overall, no Stanley Cup, but I was a professional hockey player and I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver. I was homeless uh, multiple places. But, you know, um, just to be able to say, hey, you know what, um, it's, you're not alone. And, and unfortunately, he isn't alone. Uh, there's actually several junior and professional hockey players that are suffering with um, similar circumstances uh, and uh, that's really why myself and other people like Matt Thompson 
uh, wanting to start the Puck Support Foundation, guys, you can check us out, pucksport.com and at Puck Support. And uh, last week, I launched the Puck Support Foundation Gratitude Crusade, which is all about being grateful uh, because every single day I wake up and I'm like, holy shit, man, um, I am so grateful to be alive because uh, there's no reason. I overdosed on fentanyl over 10 times. I tried to commit suicide over 10 times. Uh, in total, I spent over three years in jail and I think nine months in the psych ward. Um, so, you know, that's just my story. And, and again, I thought I was alone with that and uh, in the hockey community. And uh, since I came out with my story and I've done my own research and so many people have reached out to me. So thank you for, sh- for sharing your stories and for sharing other people's stories. And that's how I got my guest. I was able to, uh, to locate my guest and, and hear his incredible story uh, was from somebody uh, sharing his story with me because I'll tell you, um, his book came out in 2014, but since 20, 2010, I've been in oblivion and I've been so disconnected from everything. And if there's been one thing I've been disconnected from, it was from the hockey world because I was ashamed of where I was at uh, with my addiction and with everything. Uh, but the PSF, Puck Support Foundation Gratitude Crusade, is all about being grateful. Uh, so if you get nominated, it means that someone's grateful to have you in their life, like feel good. Uh, and that means that you have to for go on social media and make a video uh, you have to list three things you're grateful for and name three people you're grateful for. And then those three people have to continue the same sequence of events. And you have to do that for three days uh, once you're nominated. So it'll be three videos, nine people nominated, nine things you're grateful for. Uh, and if you get nominated and you don't take part in it, you got to pay $50 to the Puck Support Foundation in Matthew Lazinski's name. Matthew Lazinski is why... Um, I started absolutely everything. Uh, Matt Thompson is now my best friend. And uh, after recording the first episode of the podcast, he was uh, the one that shared the story of Matthew Lazinski with me. Uh, And it was uh, just so tragic to hear his story. We were the same birth year. He played in the OHL second round draft pick, uh, ran into some off ice issues and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds kind of washed their hands of him. Um, that's a story for another day. Uh, and from there, he just, you know, struggled because his identity of a hockey player was kind of taken from him and uh, mental health and addiction set in and he died of an overdose in 2017. And I didn't know him. I didn't even know his story until Matt Thompson shared the story with me. And uh, since that moment, um, just I'm a bit baffled um, daily, multiple times a day. It's like I have a plaque in memory of Matthew Lazinski made by Chad Balcom. Uh, down in Portland, Oregon, he sent me one uh, for the studio that we're building, and I look at it, and it's like, it should say in memory of Brady Levo, like it really should, with the way that I was living, with the way that I wanted to, like I wanted to die, like I did, I was I was on a, a path of destruction, and um, you know, so many um, people in the world, and, and so many in the hockey community have that story of uh, tragedy, of suicide, and, and overdose, and uh, again, I thought I was the only one in that situation, and it's just... It's appalling to me and that's what the puck support foundation is all about is is to let the hockey community know parents coaches players especially uh, at any level uh, we're here for you mental health addiction if you're just having a bad day if you're retiring from the sport uh, and you need a transition um, you know we're building those supports we're very new um, but guys if you want to donate there's the gofundme page set up you can search it i'll, I'll post a link uh, in the podcast description but we've had we've raised 700 dollars already so thank you so much to everyone that's donated 
Yeah, I just started it like three days ago. Yeah, so it's been great. So thank you so much to everybody. Uh, there's a goal of 25,000. Maybe that seems like a lot to people, but like honestly, guys, that's that's nothing. We're gonna need 25 million to really make a difference. Um, and that is the that is the sad, sad reality of uh, where we're at. Um, but there's hope. Um, and uh, I'm grateful that I'm alive and I can share my story. And there's so many other people that were ahead of me that shared their story. And I'm so grateful to be able to look to them for support and other people to be able to look to them for support. Um, and it's just been very incredible. And it's just been uh, a real light in my life to see all the other people, um, you know, been able to dig themselves out of hell um, and, uh, and be role models and share their stories and be mentors. Um, and one of those is my guest for episode 45. Um, but the last thing I want to say, guys, is that this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued, Limited Team Issued. It's connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check them out. Teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. That was my go-to move uh, in the Western League, in pro, My even though my pro career was very short, cut, uh, cut short due to my addiction, um, that was like my go-to move. So that's why the promo code is TOEDRAG15. That company, guys, if you don't know, uh, is owned and operated by a friend of mine, Jesse Paradise, who was a teammate of mine with the Kelowna Rockets. Um, WHL alumni, so let's support him, guys, and their clothing is sick. I'm always decked out, head-to-toe, and team-issued. Uh, I want to give a very, very special thanks to Jesse. Uh, he's been such a great support, hooking me up with free clothes when I had nothing when I got out of jail. He was my second guest on the podcast, and he's just been a real friend, a real support. So thank you, Jesse. Uh, thank you, Team Issued. Um, and check them out, teamissued.ca. Uh, but without further ado, guys, uh, let's get right into episode 45. Clint Malarchuk back in the net. Clint Malarchuk back in the net for the first time in two months. February 14th was his last appearance. Shot on by the decision, but a great save by Malarchuk who loses his mask and stick. Face off of the Buffalo zone. It'll come back now to Telvin with a shot. Malarchuk makes the save and he scoops it behind the net. Nearly really banged into Malarchuk and set him right down on his can in a big hurry. That's the third time Malarchuk has been hit. He wants a piece of someone. Here's Malarchuk. He's challenging Neely. And Malarchuk is just furious at Cam Neely. Look at him. There's Malarchuk, came across with that big blocker right in the mush of Cam Neely. If that would have caught him, would have sent him for a loop. Malarchuk is furious that he's talking to the referee. Well, it's not the first time, it's the third time now. He's been uh, hit pretty good in this game. Malarchuk. Tony Twist got a little involved, and now they have a little talk. And Malarchuk's going to say, yeah, let's go, right now. At least he can take the mask off. That's big of him anyways. I'll tell you when that happened. About a minute ago, Twist went across the goal crease, and Malarchuk reached out and gave him a cuff on the side of the head. Yeah, look at Malarchuk, a bit frustrated at this point. As big of him to take his it mask sure off, was. a lot of goaltenders won't even do that. 
Gated right in, but couldn't have it. And now Nolan is taken down by Malarchuk. And we're going to have another penalty. Interference call on Malarchuk. You'll see the Quebec Nordiques. He just waltz right through the defense. And that's when Malarchuk comes out and lays a check on him. Brings him down to the ice. In some cases, he might have thrown more checks than a lot of his teammates. Quinn Malarchuk, back-to-back -back penalties. Now two minutes for interference. What a stranglehold on to Raglan as Malarchuk just had it. Malarchuk wants back in there, and the referee has a hold of Malarchuk right now. Now Malarchuk comes back, he drops everything, he's just looking for an open man, so he gets tied up with the referee. We'll see what the call is there, but he wants a piece of socket. There's Clint Malarchuk, and full of frustration. But what are you going to do when he jumps in there? He's had a belly full tonight, John. It's been a long night for Clint Malarchuk. He's looking for a conditioner, he got it. The point is better to give than to receive. Mike was mentioning a tough night for Clint Malarchuk. But at the other end of the stick, a fabulous opportunity for him to overcome uh, all of the odds for the effect of saying, no, you probably can't play this year, if that matter ever again. And he beat those odds, challenged them all at hand, went through all of the available therapy, which he continues off the ice, but also uh, the time and effort that he put on with reconditioning himself, being off for two months, and for the fact of saying, yes, I'm going to play again. It was hockey... Uh, which was my love and everything, and it was just, I couldn't perform. I could not perform. It was, it was just something where I thought, well, I'm done. My life is done. I mean, my hockey career is done. My marriage is done. Everything is done. Had he not had those mental health issues and had to work so hard to keep those locked up in his brain, I think he would have had a phenomenal NHL career that would have matched anybody's, whether it would have been Glenn Hall or Patrick Waugh, Marty Bordeaux, or any of those, because he was that ridiculously talented. He did get arrested here in town um, on several different occasions. It was in the local paper. Uh, you know, then they took me to jail. I wasn't happy about that. Hands are scarred, but they're all small scars on my knuckles and that. This finger's a little bit uh, crooked. My nose, it's pretty mushy and, you know, I can turn it upside down. My nose, it's been broken, you know, 10, 11 times and it does gush, but, um, you know, nothing that a bar napkin can't stop up real quick. October 7th, 2008. Hungover, and I, 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 don't, I don't think I slept much at all. I was drinking the night before, um, feeling just out of my mind and, and, and crazy, basically. And uh, shortly after I got up, I started drinking again. I remember praying, you know, again, just, God, why, what's going on? Take this from me, take this. I can't, I, I can't do this. I'm done, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm so sick that even my wife won't come near me. When I heard the gun, it, um, I went, holy crap, I did it. All of a sudden it kicked in. I said, I, I don't die. I've, I've, I just don't die. I've had too many brushes with death. I just shot myself. I'm walking around with a bullet in my head. They're saying, sir, you got a bullet. We don't know if it's going to move. 
and it was almost like a game. I picked the gun up, put it under my chin, and pulled the trigger. Fortunately, I got a thick skull. Um, the bullet still lodged in my skull. Like, and, and especially in Canada with hockey, it makes you all of a sudden somebody incredible. And then to have all these problems in my life and overcome them, there's, what's the reason? Well, I think it's because you're given a certain amount of fame that gives you an avenue to reach out to people and do interviews and, and to write a book. You know, there's a stigma attached to mental illness. And it, it, it's, it's not a good one, you know? If, if you have cancer and you have to go for treatment, you're gonna go tell your boss. If you're struggling with depression or some sort of uh, mental illness, you don't go to your boss. The man's man in Canada, hockey, you're the hero, you're bulletproof, you're, you know, where's your cape, you know? It's, it's, we're supermen to, to people in Canada. That uh, big brave front that we put on sometimes, um, it is just that. I mean, I wear a mask playing goal. I think I wore a mask outside the net too. You know, being, being a, a, a hockey player, a goalie, a cowboy, you know, all those things, they're physical. You get hurt, you get bumped around, you break your leg or whatever, but it's nothing to the pain of, of mental illness. My career has been filled with hills and valleys, both on the ice and off the ice. Of course, uh, well documented and documented, and, and a lot of public things out there. And uh, hockey's always been the constant in my life. Thank you so much. God bless and happy trails. And now the man of the night, uh, with a few words for you, Mr. Goalie, the Cowboy Goalie himself, Clint Malarchuk. All right, guys. Without further ado, this is a, a real pleasure for me and, uh, you know, I, I like to do a, a little intro, but uh, I'm kind of uh, taken aback by this, uh, listening back uh, to that intro and uh, knowing his story now quite well. Um, I feel very privileged, very honoured uh, to have him on the podcast, uh, to, to be able to talk to him and uh, hopefully now going forward to be able to call him a friend and... Uh, and uh, be able to lean on each other. So, uh, without further ado, originally from Grand Prairie, Alberta, this guy was drafted in the fourth round, 74th overall in uh, 1981 uh, by your Quebec Nordiques, of course, now the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, this guy is also a good old Western League boy. He played for the Portland Winterhawks uh, from 78 to 81 before uh, breaking into the NHL with the Nordiques. Uh, he played a total of 338 games, um, and you heard it in the intro. He uh, he had all sorts of talent. He had a hell of a career, and he had a hell of a temper. Uh, I just I love the way he played. Uh, watching his videos, guys, uh, he took no bullshit. Uh, and uh, I I, I, I want to talk to him. He actually took off his goalie helmet to try to fight Twist. I think he actually might be certifiably crazy like myself. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, but without further ado, now living down in Reno, uh, Clint Malarchuk. Thanks for doing this, my friend. Oh my God, Brady! I, I'm fighting tears. <laughs> um, wow, you know, I just uh, wow. Well, you do your homework, son, and uh, wow. I mean, you really put a lot of stuff out there. Brought up uh, 
uh, stirred up a lot of memories. And uh, you mentioned something about you have anger issues, obviously on on that media role that you just did. I <laughs> I do too. Uh, well, yeah that that's Man, no secret. That's I'm no secret. Well, that's I'm I'm really glad. I mean, I'm hoping that I didn't uh, stir up anything. Uh, too much because it's no secret you've been very public about uh, your struggles and before we get into that I mean I want to touch on a little bit about the hockey before we get into too deep about stuff and it's going to be up to you whatever you want to share you're, you're feel free to say whatever you want there's absolutely no filter uh, on this podcast um, so we don't have to worry about that um, I've, I've been very fortunate and very lucky with uh, some of my guests and uh, I, I feel no different this is a great great birthday present uh, uh, so I want to say thank you. Yeah, but before we get into it, um, like I said uh, uh, a few minutes ago, uh, I wasn't too familiar with your story uh, because when your book came out in 2014, I was in all sorts of trouble and, and doing my thing. But um, now um, that you know, I'm clear-minded, I, I'm you know very familiar, especially after today. Doing, I can't wait to read your book. I talked to my dad about it today. He loves it. He's actually going to send it to me because he's uh, read it. Um, but let me say. Um, thank you uh, for standing up, having the courage, sharing your story. Um, and, uh, you know, I truly appreciate that. And I know a lot of other people do. And, and you must know that. You must have had a lot of people reaching out to you over the past six years. Oh, yeah. All, all for sure. And and as you probably know, it's our greatest uh, uh, help for ourselves to be of service now, to uh, tell our story, to, like, I love your honesty. Like, you, you know... You know, I was in jail then, and I was in jail then, and I couldn't think, you know, and you, you've been so open and honest that it's like almost makes me just want to cry uh, that that you are doing that. And I just think that is unbelievable. You do not know how many people you're touching and helping and making a difference and helping them to reach out and get help. Uh, you mentioned Joe Murphy. I followed his story. Um, you know, and I think that's just absolutely fantastic that just, I think you said yesterday, you talked to her sister and, you know, and Joe's got an unbelievable story. I mean, um, you know, almost a woodsman living in the woods and I've seen features on him and not really wanting help. And why don't we want help is a question. Uh, sometimes we're embarrassed. Um, you know, we feel lots of stigma and mental illness and I don't, I don't have to tell you about that. And, and addiction, and there's a huge correlation between mental illness and addiction, as you know. And uh, so I just think that's just fabulous. I love what you're doing. Um, again, that, that media role, I, I, I was fighting tears back because it brought back, uh, you know, what I've gone through, what I've been through. And uh, but the the great the great part of it, guys like you and me, have come up on the other side. And that's what gives people hope and inspiration. So uh, great on you, buddy. I mean, great on you. You're doing a great thing. I mean, uh, the research you did on me, I don't know how long it took you. And I'm sure you do it for every guest. But wow, I was just over, over. Can I say yeah. fuck? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Um, well, that's good. And the thing is, is um, you know, and the reason why I like to do that is because, 
you know, you, you have a very powerful story. And like, I hope that listening back to the, the hockey highlights, you, you can remember, you know, how great you were. You know what I mean? Like, maybe things didn't go exactly uh, the way that you would have planned. But that never that's always the case for everybody, regardless. Um, I think no matter what happens, we can kind of always go, oh, we should have done this or that. But um, the fact of the matter is, is uh, you were uh, like a, a great NHL goalie. Um, and, and you got through a lot of hell. That's what we're going to get into. But uh, touching on Joe Murphy, like you said, um, actually, like, you know, there's, you know, we're actually, you know, I actually got to talk to him and talk to his sister more than we're kind of just, you know, keeping it a little more private and that. But, you know, being able to, to keep in contact with him going forward is is going to be huge. And, and the, I think the reason why we don't want help as I've shared this many times is, you know, sitting there homeless on Hastings. It's like, I truly believed, I remember sitting there. I, I remember it plain as day. I remember like sitting there one time, five thirty in the morning, uh, six in the morning, whatever it was like traffic starting to roll in. It's raining and starting to sprinkle rain. And I'm sitting there homeless on Hastings and people are, are traffic starting to, people are going to work on the bus and I could see the bus is just crammed full people in suits, people, you know, with briefcases, whatever the case. And, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, those people are more miserable than me right now. I'm happier right now than I was playing hockey. I'm happy. And I was convinced that I, that I didn't deserve anything better than that. So I completely understand how he can, how he can feel stuck in that position. Like it's like, I'll be honest. I got to talk to him on FaceTime for like probably 40 minutes. Um, and, uh, like just me and him, and uh, I was I was fighting back tears the whole time. Like the the guy didn't even have shoes on, and uh, it, well, that's because that's because you've been there, you've been there, yeah. done that. And uh, people people that don't know in Vancouver Hastings is uh, it's a nasty street. There's needles laying around. There's shit laying around. There's uh, people pissing in you know in the corner. It you know, so you you were down and absolutely yeah. out. Um, living on that street. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like, honestly, though, to me now, it's like I feel so grateful that I was able to get out of it because honestly, there's a saying like once you go down there, you get stuck down there and I believe it because once you're an addict, it's it's hard enough to get clean. Um, but there, everything, once you get down to that level, everything is so readily available that you never want to leave that area because everything's there you get they they feed you they oh, clothe yeah. you the the welfare office is there um all the drugs you want are there it's it's insane um you never have to leave um it's yeah yeah and and, and basically you were yeah. a bum yep you know for no 100 percent. i had shopping carts in the whole nines at points yeah you're you're a professional hockey player now you're a bum yeah. And and where you were and where you've been, and and more importantly is where you are today, which is unbelievable. Your comeback, I mean, it's better than than what you have done. It's even better than playing in the NHL. Well, I, I tend to agree with you, and that's what I liked about what you said. And I I clipped it in the intro. There is like you know. 
You've said it. Uh, I've heard you say it a couple times. Um, you believe, and I've said it, but I've said this before I ever heard you say it. I swear to God, you could go back and, and see my live videos. I've, I said the same thing to people that I believe that I was just good enough at hockey or just, just to give me just enough insight to talk to guys like you and Darren McCarty and you know what I mean? To, to really um, make a difference. Like my purpose was to never play hockey and you well, said the same yeah. thing, right? Well, you can relate. You've been there. You've done that, and you're a comeback. And 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 our, our not just our players or former players that have hit the, hit uh, hit the dirt and 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 rolled in the dirt. Um, but the the thing is, your story is you came back, and anybody can come back. Not just not just former players, but people that are listening that are are maybe thinking about sticking a needle in their arm or having a, their their 50th beer, you know. For me, I'd drink 25, 30 beers a yeah, day. Yeah, well, I that I was, was sticking choice. a needle in my arm 25, 30 times a day. No joke. I'm not exaggerating. Like, on the minimum, I'm talking like every 20 minutes, it was bad. And my arms tell that story. Did, did you go... Did you did you go to rehab? How did you get your, your life? Um, well, I've been to out? rehab multiple times, but this time I I got out of jail and I actually relapsed uh, again. But um, something in me, I just uh, I, I was just tired of it, and I was up here in Muskoka, Ontario, and kind of secluded. Um, and I just uh, I just made a choice, and um, I put my skates on again, and, and was able to skate and reach out and start the podcast. And and Bob's your uncle, and and here we are. Uh, that was March thirty first. I did the first episode, and here we are, episode forty five, and I'm six months clean, and um, it's it's been amazing, and, and like the support has been incredible. Uh, the podcast has just been one one part of it. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, my my throat is just I, I killing think, me. I, I think I, I, I think that's okay. I'll carry it. <laughs> um, I think people do need to understand about relapse because they get clean. Uh, I've done it too. You know, I quit drinking. I went eight years without drinking. You know, I've had my good sobriety and everything. And then when you relapse, you, you got all this guilt and shame, all this guilt and shame. And the last thing you want to, uh, is to be judged. And, and it's hard. And, and we, we, with the guilt and shame, all we want to do for me was to drink to get rid of the guilt and shame. So it's a vicious, vicious cycle. So anybody that might be listening, uh, understand, you know, if you relapse, it doesn't, you're not a loser. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, we've all probably been there and done that. But just keep, keep the, keep the, keep the course. You know, go, just get help. Do what you need to do, and you can probably talk better than I can about how that that happens. Well, for us. because I know you you you've dealt with guilt and shame, obviously, hundred percent. And actually, I I heard a really good saying the one time I was in rehab about relapse, and it's uh, you know if you fall off the wagon, it doesn't mean that you have to fall into the ditches. You just get up and get back on the wagon, right? So like for me. Um, I said, if, if anyone goes back and listens to the, if anyone's, this is your first time listening, go back to listen to the very first podcast, the very first episode. It's kind of, it's, it's hilarious. Like, it's like, it's the audio quality is pretty shitty and, and whatever, but it, you know, like, any, like anything, like anything, you come a long way. But I say in that podcast and going forward, I was like, if I relapse, I'll come on here and I'll, 
and I'll tell everybody because at that point I have accountability and I feel like, you know, if I relapse and I'm and I'm able to right now, which, you know, I really feel like I'm not even going to, I don't even think about it. But at the same time, I know that it, the, the possibility is always there, but I'm prepared to own it no matter what it is. If I make that decision, I know that if I don't own it and don't be accountable and I try to hide it and keep using, all of a sudden it'll be a year down the road or I'll be dead or in jail or whatever. I know, I know that's what will happen now. I understand. And uh, that's, that's what people understand. It's a journey and it's a process that we have to just keep plugging away and uh, that guilt and shame does nothing for us. Uh, just do the, do the next that's, right thing. That's right. Do I love that. Right I love that. So you, I want to get into the hockey a little bit. So you you uh, played in the Western Hockey League uh, in Portland Winterhawks, uh, very storied franchise. How? What was your WHL career like? I always ask guys what their junior careers were like. Um, you obviously you moved away from home. Did you struggle with homesickness? Did you drink during junior? Was oh. there bullying, hazing, any of that? No. Nope. No, not the hazing, um, but yeah, I was so homesick because I came from a, you know, kind of dis- dysfunctional family, alcoholic father, abusive, and uh, my mother and I, when he left, uh, of course, my mom and I really bonded, so leaving mom, and I was just terribly homesick my first year in Portland, and uh, it was my second year that I kind of got my, my act together a little bit, I had a girlfriend, and you know, she was just, you know, uh, you know, somebody I could talk to. So I, I, my second year, I kind of rebounded and had a good year. My first year away from home was terrible. Just awful. Just terrific. And, uh, I got my, I got my act together the second year and got drafted. I missed the draft the first year, devastated. Uh, actually was almost suicidal over it. Uh, that, that sounds stupid to people. Well, it's just, you're a hockey player. You, you didn't get drafted. Big deal. Well, you know what? I lived and dreamed hockey. You're so, not. You're not alone. Uh, and that is I a very to, common thing. I felt the same yeah. way. I just wanted to quit hockey. I was. I just wanted to quit life. Really. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I. I rebounded and uh, I got drafted at 19. Uh, went, went. Went to the Quebec Nordiques and and started my uh, pro career, which was. Uh, um, you know, rocky, but, but good, you know, um, struggling with undiagnosed mental illness, mostly obsessive compulsive disorder. And, uh, no, alcohol was not what was not an issue, uh, at that point, but it, it became <laughs> big later. What, so the, the OCD, um, looking back, obviously you said it wasn't diagnosed, but looking back now, what, when are you able to pinpoint, um, or is that something that you were always dealing with? Yeah, I think from a kid. Now I look back. We always look back in in retrospect, and and back in those days, there wasn't diagnoses as much as they are now, and the help that we have now. Um, yeah, I look back on my career or or my childhood even. Oh my God! I mean, my anxiety, uh, all those things that I went through, and so many kids now go through, and parents have to deal with, and they don't know what's wrong with their with their child. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, and I don't even like calling it mental illness. A lot of it's emotional sickness, like homesickness. Um, you know, we talk about trauma. Everybody thinks, uh, like I have PTSD, obviously, for my 
jobs are being being severed. But you know what? Yeah, see, uh, I, uh, before yeah, you go yeah. on, I, I purposely didn't put that in there because that's something that is so talked about with you that it was like, I don't need to bring yeah. that up. Um, everybody knows you for that. And yes, it's a part of your story. But if you want to talk about it, by all means. But I'll tell you that I obviously I know about that, but it, I purposely didn't because to me it was like, you know, that again, traumatic. But please keep going on. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 it's all good. When I cut my jugular vein in Buffalo in, in, in the game, I'm, you know, pretty much famous for that. Uh, I had no idea that would change my life. Um, you know, just undiagnosed PTSD. So 20 years later, after that accident, uh, struggling with PTSD, and now that's why I do so much with the military, because I do understand PTSD. And a lot of these uh, military are like, the toughest, Toughest, more tough than you or me, mentally and physically, our military. Oh, for sure. And they go to war. Yeah, they go, they go to war at their job. And uh, they're mentally tough, but they come back broken with PTSD. And uh, they self-medicate. And we've, we've got so many suicides by our veterans. Um, you know, just undiagnosed PTSD. And that's what I went through. 20 years later, I put a gun under my chin and shot and, you know, uh, I tried to kill myself. So suicide, attempted suicide is part of my story. And you talked about it too. You wanted to die. Um, and, and the self-medicating, uh, is just an escape for us because we can't, uh, function because we're dealing with so many other issues in our brain and we don't even know what, what they are. And, and the worst part is, is um, you can't, like you talk about it too, is you can't see them. No, no, you can't see them. You, you're, just, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to get, uh, I'll speak for myself, I was just trying to get through a day. And that's where the alcohol came in. Because, again, I'll, I'll stress that with mental illness or emotional sickness or whatever, and so many people can relate to this, they might not be mentally ill, that they're going through something in their life, um, you know, a divorce or an abusive husband or abusive wife or whatever it might be. So what do you do? You, you, you pick up a beer. For me, I pick up a beer. All of a sudden, I start mellowing out. Then, you know, two beers, three beers, four beers. And, it, you know, anxiety was a big part of my with PTSD. It's, it's huge. And that would calm me down. Or if I was really depressed, which I, I suffer with depression too. Um, it would pick me up, make me happy. And, but the thing is, maybe is with two, and you, I know you get this with two beers and then four beers and then eight beers. I was drinking 25, 30 beers a day just to get to the damn yeah. day where now people like us, when we're sober or clean, whatever you want to call it, um, we can relish our day. And, and yeah, we have bad days. We have good days, but we don't have to pick up. And uh, we can deal with it in, in uh, higher power or whatever it might be. And and that's that's where I live today. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so for you, like after you went through all that, I, I didn't play it in the, in the intro, but, um, you know, you, you went and you uh, you seeked help, right? Well, no, no, I, I never got help. 
I, I never got help. Yeah, my wife is trying to get me help and everything, but with the system, the way it is, which is very broken, it took me a bullet in the head to finally get the real help I needed. It took you going to jail numerous times and, and living homeless to finally get the help you needed. And that's a shame. That's a, a, a shame that we have to go down to those depths to, to finally get the help. Yeah, I, I finally got the help. That's yeah, what shot me yeah, that's head. that's what I that's what I meant. I mean, that's what it took, though. Like you finally, it, it finally took you to go there. But like, what 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 did the help look like for you? Um, and how were you feeling about it at the time? Like, was was that scary for you? Oh. Um, and, and how long did it take for you to really notice to be like, okay, uh, this is really you know that something that is I needed I need to be doing here. Well, first of all, I was very much in denial and uh, being put into a institution, I was just an angry SOB, like very, very angry. And uh, like you, uh, I'm I'm an aggressive, you know, because we are our, our, our self worth. I'll speak for myself. My self worth is on how top of a son of a bitch yeah. I could be. And and so my first two months in rehab, I was just a mess. I wanted, I wanted to fight everybody, kill everybody, uh, punch everybody out. And they're telling you, telling me I got issues, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck you. You know, I had that attitude. And, and when I finally kind of, uh, got it uh, and, and bought in, uh, acceptance, acceptance is a big deal. When you can finally accept, yeah, I'm mentally ill or, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, or yeah, I've got all these issues, and then go to work. But acceptance um, is huge. But but before you get acceptance, you got to get through all that goddamn denial, which I had tons of. I denied that I was an alcoholic. I denied that I was mentally ill. I denied everything. For two months, I was just an angry, angry man. And uh, I was in that uh, treatment center so and once I once I accepted my disorders or my problems, I went to work at it, and I started to heal and get better. Yeah, and so how long how long did that process take for for you to really notice uh, notice results? Where um, because uh, like a lot of people, uh, well, I like I'll only speak for myself too, um, but some like. This can be a process. Like mental, getting your mental health in check um, can be a process. Um, uh, finding the right counselors or the right medications, all of that. Was it? A, did it take a while for you, or were you lucky and and kind of dialed it in right away? No, I did not. Like like I said, the first two months, I was just a angry. Um, you know, I felt everybody was coming coming at me and picking on me. They put me in this uh, facility. I didn't want to be there, and it, it, you know, I, it, it's like you going to jail. You don't want to be there, but at least I was in a treatment facility. So no, it took two months of anger and denial, and and just just rage, and uh, they couldn't get through to me, and and I, I think they were going to finally throw me out because I was so angry and mean, and uh, like I said, you know. Uh, 
So, you know, no, it didn't click. It did not click all but at once. It took what, it. what about as so far as medication? Yeah, that, like, were they, were, were you, like, uh, open to taking medication? Because a lot of people uh, ask me this question, and, uh, you know, I've been pretty open. I went and got my psych eval done uh, a few weeks back, um, and uh, I'm actually still waiting for the, the report to come through to get the actual do- prescribing doctor to get the right medication. But, um, you know, uh, is that something because a lot of people jump off medications before it starts to work? Um, were you on medication? And do you think if you were, is that something that maybe at the two month mark it, that started to work for you? Or, or are you just sort of doing your own thing? Well, I don't want to scare people, but uh, before I shot myself, I was over medicated. I was on, like when I shot myself, uh, the paramedics said to my wife, What's what's he on? Bring bring out his medication. She brought a shoebox out. I was on things to help me sleep, help me to wake up, help wow. me to do this, help me to do that. And and I don't want to scare people, but I had a wrong. Uh, uh, the doctor I seen was, you know, the disclosure they say, do not take this antidepressant if you are, you know, blah 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 blah. Well, or, or suicidal. Uh, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm, uh, that's why I want to take medication, so I'm not suicidal. Yeah. But this guy over over prescribed me. Now, I I don't want, I want to caution everybody: do not be anti meds. Do not be anti meds. Um, I have a chemical imbalance of my brain, so I need a medication to balance my brain out so I can function normally. So I am not suicidal. So I'm not alcoholic. So I can function regular. Now, so many people get scared by meds. And I do understand that because I just explained I was over-medicated. Uh, you got to get a good doctor, good psych, good good psychiatrist or whatever. Um, and it took me a long time to get that right. And once I got it right, I nailed it. And I've never been happier. I went... Honestly, Bob Brady, I went, is this what it feels like to be normal? Because my chemical imbalance was now imbalanced. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and that could be, nowadays they've got uh, hemp, uh, CBD, uh, all sorts of good balancing, uh, non, non-prescription things that, that people can use. Um, because we've got, I'm talking 30 years ago when I was going through my demons and, and total hell. So, uh, you know, it, it, we've come a long way uh, with, with medications, therapies, counseling, all these things. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate for CBD. Like, I just actually shout out to Tanner Wilshaw and Sovereign Extracts. They just sent me uh, uh, some more products, THC oils and um, CBD oils, because I was using cannabis, smoking cannabis, uh, to get off the, the fentanyl, like seriously, right? And that was because I didn't go to rehab. I wasn't doing like 12-step programs or anything. I was literally uh, just using the cannabis to try to like, you know, get off whatever with no real plan. Um, but now starting, since I started the podcast, I'm actually microdosing uh, mushrooms too um, and, and doing it very intentionally with meditation and everything. Like I have a very um, almost strict recovery plan, but it's very unconventional aside from the 12-step. And I have to be, I like to be very careful with how I, I word it because it's not for everybody. Um, and, and I really like uh, what the 12-step programs um, offer. Like I, I was a huge 
um, believer in their prayer. I still am. Um, but for me right now in my life um, and the support that I need, I'm, I'm just getting it uh, in different ways right now. And it's really, it's just new for me and, and it's it's working like nothing else ever has. So I'm not, I'm not fucking with it at all. I'm just, I'm just doing what feels right for me. I'm not worrying about what uh, other people want to judge me for on my recovery or what I'm doing because uh, people have no idea what I've gone through, what I've tried, um, how many different things I've tried and done. It's just, it's insane. Um, so for me to find something, for me to be able to go, uh, like I said, 10 minutes without sticking a needle in my arm is a fucking miracle, let alone 10 hours, 10 days, or six <laughs> months. I'm not, like, it's not a joke. Anybody that knows me, like, seasoned drug addicts used to look at me and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong? Like, people on Hastings, like, that have been there for 20, 30 years, they'd be like, you're like, like what, you're, like, you're seriously fucked up. Like, that's what they would say to me. They're like, you need to slow down. Are you trying to die? And I'd be like, yeah, like I am. I don't want to be down here. I, I'd rather be yeah. dead. Like you guys are having fun. Well, like, you know? Yeah. But you know what? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You know, I'm just going to touch on that. Like, do we want to die? Not really. Yeah, no, I don't. We yeah, don't I agree with you. Live, yeah. it, 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 we don't want to live in the pain that we're, so we don't give a shit. Right. So it's like, you know, if I die, I die, you know, because we I don't want to live in this pain. And a lot of people that are listening will understand and relate to that. Um, it, it, we don't want to die. We don't want to leave our loved ones. We don't want to disappoint our parents. We don't want to be judged by suicide. But uh, we really don't care because the pain that we're living in, is is not good it, it, you know why why be on this earth if this is what it, if, if this is all earth is is for us well uh, you know i've been there i don't want to be here it, but now it's I get, crazy so like did you ever think that you were ever gonna get get through that like obviously you didn't like the state you were in so like you were like you said you were done like uh when you when you left that game of hockey was that really difficult for you like transitioning into real life um, not really, because I had a pretty good transition. I went right in from a player to a coach, um, you know, but I was not happy. Um, you know, I, I still struggled with my mental illness, OCD, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, so, and I used to, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm very spiritual, um, and I have a higher power, but I used to cuss that God when I was in, in my dire straits, like God just take me or take this, take me or take this because I can't deal with this anymore. Now I understand my journey that I got through it. And that's like people like you and me that uh, come through the other side going, now we can help people because we know what it's like to be in their shoes. We know what it's like to be in, in the darkest, darkest and suffering and silence and being homeless like you. I never, I never, I, I, I wasn't homeless, but I was certainly in the same mind state as you were. You know, I don't give a shit. Take me or take this, uh, you know, one or the other, God, yeah. please take me, get me out of this world or take this away from me. That This anxiety, this depression, this um, overwhelming uh, thoughts, uh, all the things that we, you know, deal with and a lot of people do. 
Uh, yeah, and it's um, I I mean fuck I I did the same thing and uh, with uh, praying like praying to God and I, I still I pray all the time um, to to a higher power and uh, that's sort of um, how I how I got clean too. I remember just uh, there's this one night actually where I I took off to go like honestly like just go get into shit. This was like. A couple, th- two, three, four weeks before I started the podcast, I was like uh, uh, clean for a little while, but I was still in that mindset where I was like, oh, like, like I used to sustain my lifestyle with like doing like drug dealing and crime. Like, honestly, that was my life because that was how I sustained my drug addiction. Like after a while, that's the only way to sustain yep. your drug addiction is going to that life because it's just. Yeah, like, Grady, Grady, let me ask you this. When you stuck that needle in your arm, did you give a shit if you woke Could up or not? Care less. Yes Could or not no. care less. Could not care less. Yep. Just, just want you were in so much mental anguish that you know what, it, you know what, it, you know what. I'm gonna feel good, and if I feel good and die, at least I feel good and That's die. Right. That's exactly how it, I was it, feeling. You yeah, nailed it exactly, and it was like, yeah. you know, I just. Um, yeah, I just, I was just, I did not give a shit, like you said. I, I didn't, and there was times where, uh, like, I overdosed, and it's a really weird feeling, like, when you overdose, it literally, you, it just goes to black, and, and like, I'd be getting Narcan, and then come back to life, and, uh, like, every and everyone's telling me that I overdosed, and they're like, man, you just died, you just overdosed, like, what the hell? And, like, I'm, like, going, yeah, right, like, you're full of shit, like, you don't even really, and you think it's funny, and I'm laughing, but because the Narcan, can what it does it has something in it that puts you into instant withdrawal it kicks all the opiates out of your system that's how it works so because now your body goes into withdrawal anybody that knows that's the catch with heroin and opiates is that your body physically needs it well now all of a sudden you're in withdrawal so now you're you're fucking pissed off at the person that narcaned you because you're dope sick and then you need to do it again because so you're not dope sick and then all of a sudden you overdose again and that's happened to me multiple times and it's like why the fuck did you even bring me back like it's and then you're mad at the person and that's i'm not the only one i've seen that happen multiple times with like over like i'm not kidding i've seen that happen over like 30 times with 30 different people wow i'm not exaggerating because i was on hastings where like hundreds of people were over dosing every day like it was insane it's still like that it's crazy it's sad it's really sad um do you still get on the ice at all anymore? Are you coaching? What are you doing? Uh, are you staying with connected with hockey? What's your uh, relationship with the game like these days? Well, um, you know, I coach a couple of junior teams up locally here, up in Lake Tahoe. Um, you know, but, you know, uh, I follow the game. I do. I uh, love the game. It's in my blood. I can't believe I'm watching hockey and listening to hockey and the radio and everything in August. <laughs> you know, and I said to my wife, I said, I, you know, it's in my blood, I guess, because I thought, no way, I'm done. I'm not going to follow the NHL in August, but I am, I am. Um, you know, I'm not coaching right now. Uh, I've got a horse business. Um, I've got a, uh, I do a lot with wounded warriors. I do a lot with uh, helping people, uh, being out there, trying to help people like you and me. Um, a lot of it is veterans, but a lot of it is former hockey players. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys, and, you know, and, and it's funny, uh, you know, you, you, you played, you know, we didn't make a lot of money back in our day, 
Um, yeah, I was in the NHL and made probably more than you, but not about, it was like, I think my highest paid, uh, contract was 130,000 a year. And back in the, uh, you know, the eighties, that, 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 that probably seems like a lot of money, but you know, um, yeah. And, and, uh, but, uh, now they make millions and everything and, um, now they're living in the bubble and they're complaining and everything. But I think of our veterans, um, they don't make millions of dollars, but they go on tours for a year or two. And, uh, that's the way I look at that. You know, come on, boys, you know, don't, you know, don't whine because you're still eating at steakhouses, uh, four star restaurants, um, catered to room service. <laughs> you know, I think of our veterans. Okay. So, uh, and, and like I, I'm big on gratitude. I, I try to be grateful every day. Um, think of at least three things uh, and three people that you're grateful for. And now you're on my list. I'm grateful yeah, for you. Well, that's um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go ahead and uh, uh, if you heard me talk about the the Puck Sport Foundation gratitude crusade, it's to raise money for the Puck Sport Foundation, and every dollar raised is uh, raised in Matthew Lazinski's uh, honor in his name and. Um, I'll, uh, I have to make my video for today, so I'll uh, go ahead and honor you, or uh, nominate you. And if uh, you don't want to make the video, I guess you're going to have to pay 50 bucks to the Pucksport Foundation. Um, that's just the way it goes. And, uh, but I'll, I'll, send you the, uh, I'll send you the link just so you can check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I'll, I'll, do a video on, I'll do a video and do the Well, there you go. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, we, we would truly appreciate that. As you know, there's, there's so many, um, guys and it's not just guys, it's, it's, uh, it's women too, because, um, people don't realize how many, uh, women suffer from concussions in hockey. Um, and, and that they're suffering these women after they're done, their collegiate careers are suffering, um, from post-concussion syndromes and, and, uh, you just don't hear about it because, you know, they're not playing in the NHL or whatever, but, um, as, as the days progress and go by my, my list of, of people that have, uh, either passed away or are currently struggling and have reached out to me is, is growing every day. And, uh, as, as tragic as it is, as, as saddening as it is, um, the ones that we've lost, uh, we can't do anything about, but we can remember them. Um, but I have so much hope, um, especially after what happened with Joe Murphy and a few other people that, uh, that we've, we've been able to connect with and uh, in such a short period of time that um, it just, you know, talking to uh, Kathy Murphy today was, was just incredible. You know, she's like, you know, we're not giving up until he takes his last breath. You know what I mean? And that's, and that to me was, you know, like that's his, that's her brother. Like, yeah, he was an NHL hockey player, but, um, and a first overall pick and, and, and CTV, CTV yeah. Regina, he's yeah. in Regina right now on the street and, uh, CTV Regina like did a story on him. And then like my opinion on that is like, fuck right off. Like, let the man be. Uh, if you're going to do a story on him, do a story and, and get him some fucking help. Don't don't be blasting him all over that he's homeless. Like, we don't need to see that. Like, if you're not going to try to help him, then then don't even bother talking to him, in my opinion. Like, and I'm not saying that they didn't, but, like, what are they really doing to help him other than get their story and go on their merry way? Um, but, the, but the fact is, is we, we were able to talk to him and, and it's just, Clint, it's been, it's been incredible. And I, I'm sure that you have your stories and I know you have your stories of people you've been able to help and, and people that have reached out to you. Um, is that, uh, is that maybe the, the best thing that's, that's come of, 
of your hockey career is been able to to get through all this and now help people or or out of everything you've gone through maybe what's the coolest thing that's uh happened for you uh the coolest thing that's ever happened to me you know i played in the nhl oh my god my purpose i thought was to be an nhl hockey player then i coached in the nhl which i thought was really cool uh very grateful but i you know i always had the demons on the other side you know uh, my mental illness and, and, and addiction. And writing my book was the hardest thing and the greatest accomplishment. I played, I, you know, I was an NHL all-star. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I, I accomplished some great things. Um, you know, I had a decent career. I wasn't the greatest goalie in the world, but I played in the NHL. And I thought that was my purpose. No, that was just a platform, and the demons that I fought, like you, um, gives me something to talk about because I lived that life. I lived the addiction. I lived the mental illness and and the crazy not sleeping, um, uh, you know, not sleeping for days, and and trying to drink my myself to to drink or to sleep, and. Yeah. But after I wrote my book, that is my greatest accomplishment because the emails and the feedback and everything, I went, wow, there's a lot. Because I had no idea how many people out there struggle like you and me. And uh, the feedback I got, I went, wow, I, I did a great thing by writing this book and then public speaking and, and going out there and hugs and with people that are crying, uh, saying that's the first time any, anybody has been so honest. And that's why... I, I, I love what you do because you have been the most honest son of a bitch. I mean, you threw it all up there. Jail, Needles, Hastings Street. I mean, man, you are a ghetto freaking bomb. <laughs> That's right, buddy. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is like, there's no but, point. But you, yeah. came out, you, you came out the other side and you're a hero now. You're doing great and you're helping people. That is the greatest. And it keeps me sober. It keeps me going. It keeps me... And I know you relate to this, brother. It keeps, this is what we, this is what God intended for us. We had to go to the dark place. We had to overdose. We had to live on Hastings. I had to, you know, go through all my crap and, and to come out the other side and to help people. Man, that is why we are here. That is why we are on earth. And, uh, you know, there is something, uh, some higher power because I'll tell you what, I, I should be dead. I've almost died three times and once self-inflicted and, uh, you know, I've overdosed on, on, uh, booze and, and some painkillers, not intentionally. And, and my heart stopped. My jugular vein should have been dead then. And then, uh, uh, putting a gun to my head and shooting me myself. My God, I should three times. And you, my friend should probably be dead 20 oh yeah right i mean we're both we're both up there and and the thing is is like i was you know i still do i i really try not to but I, i'm like seriously some days i just can't help it i'm like why am i still alive but then I, I snap out of it because i'm not kidding i have an alarm on my phone like five times a day where it says stop be grateful like you're reading this you're alive like you know it doesn't matter what's going on like you can feel like you have, you have potential to do whatever like there's nothing that bad right now in your life uh, like even if the most tragic thing happened and I'm still alive, well, guess what? 
like I'm still alive and like there's still I could still do good in this world. So like, well, yes, there's going to be hard moments, but like I don't have any bad days anymore because I just how can I after everything that I've gone through, after ev- all the stories that I've heard and the people that have gone through worse things than me and made it out. And then, you know what I mean? And, and just everything that like I don't I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, sure. There's like I'm, I have like very little money and but like I don't I'm rich. I don't need a lot. I'm I have everything I need and more today. And it's just. I, I cannot thank uh, just everyone that's supported me enough. But like um, there's like I said, like you said, sorry, there's there's something greater um, at work here. And like my story is just a small, small, small part in it. Um, and uh, like, you know, what I know is is hockey. And uh, unfortunately, I know addiction. And uh, because that was my last that was 10 years of my life. That was the last 10 years. That was all I did. Um, and, uh, like literally that's all, it wasn't just like here and there. That was every, everything that came with addiction, all the, the, the worst things you could do in a day. I did them all. Like, it's fucking crazy. The shit I did. It's, it's, it's insane. You know what, Brady, think of it this way. You're homeless. You're sticking needles in your arms. You're, you're in jail numerous times and everything. Now you're living in a beautiful part of Canada. Um, you're doing a podcast. You're helping people. Holy crap. Is that any good? <laughs> do you deserve it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, you the, do. The, because you it, earned it. You I, I want you to know, though, that like I really uh, like I really look up to you, especially now that I know your story, because like a lot of your um, like principles, a lot of your visions, um, a lot of things you've said years ago um, are things that like I've been saying recently, not because I heard you say them, but because we're going on sort of the same paths and realizing the same things and, and we're, all. We're walking that's right. The same that's journey. right. That's right. And so like you and like that's how this whole thing started. Hockey to heroin is that I started writing a book while I was in jail called Hockey to Heroin. And uh, I like my dad did. My dad was like, don't do a podcast. Just finished writing your book. Um, that was his advice because I, honestly he had no idea where my head was at. All he knows like I was in and out of jail, this and that. We had barely talked and I, I came up with this idea for a podcast. He was probably like, holy shit, just one more thing for him to fucking like go on and embarrass himself because he didn't know if I was going to do one episode. Yeah, and, he's going to fuck, he, he's gonna fuck Exactly, <laughs> right? And But like now he's like, you know, I'll come on on episode 50. So that's really cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. But like, you know what I mean? It's just. That's very, that, that's very cool. That is very, very Yeah, cool. I think it's going to be, it, it'll be, it'll be tough, but I think it'll be good. What's that? Sorry. You got to remember that, that we have, we have, uh, you know, damaged, um, you know, a lot of our loved ones, you know, on our road to uh, addiction. But you know what? You know what? They're going to be so proud. They are so proud of us on our recovery. And that is very very important. He's so proud of you. He loves you. But boy, we put our, our parents, our loved ones, our wives, whatever it might be, through hell. Oh, there's there's no doubt. And about that. and now now they're proud of. Them. Yeah. Well, I you know what? And that's that's uh, that's maybe the biggest thing out of all of this is that I just hope you know that my family can be proud of me again, respect me, and like my kids, I haven't spoke to in a, in a few years, so that's difficult. But like. You know, it's uh, like I liked what you said because it's another thing that I say is just continue to just do the next right thing. And, uh, you know, so the fact that you said 
uh, when I asked you what the coolest thing was and you said, you know, getting your book done, like that is uh, something that's on my to-do list is getting this book done because, yeah, I shared my story and done all this, but like there's nothing, uh, you can't really um, share your story like you can uh, in a book, in my opinion, like when you write, like I enjoy writing um, and that side of it too. So like you, you've really uh, inspired me to, to continue on that journey and I've kind of been slacking. Uh, to be honest, especially since I started the podcast, because, you know, I've been doing websites and everything else because I do it all. But like um, at the same time, uh, I definitely, definitely can make time to even if it's just half an hour a day to to start writing more often. And, uh, you know, I there's no doubt in my mind that when I finish that book, I'm going to have the probably the exact same uh, feelings that that you had. And uh, I can't I seriously I can't wait to get my hands on this book, um, you know, ever since, you know, I just. Well, let's 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 title this uh, this podcast. Let's title it "Do the Next Right Thing." Do the thing. next right thing. I like that. Uh, I really like that, um, Clint. Uh, we're, we'll wrap this up. I mean, listen, we'll probably we'll probably do this again. I mean, I really hope that uh, it's my hope that maybe one day we can uh, do this in in person. Maybe um, you know what I mean. It's. Uh, you know, if you're ever in Ontario, you have a standing invitation to come up to Muskoka, do some fishing or whatever it is. Uh, we're actually going to host. A, yeah, and, and we're going to host. And yeah. likewise, my friend, yeah. I've got a little ranch here, ride a horse or two, and you know, I got to move cows tomorrow with a buddy, and uh, you know, it's fun. It's a different lifestyle, and you know, city boys go, "Holy crap! I'm on a horse and I'm moving cows." <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> It's awesome, though. That's um, there's something about um, being, uh, especially with animals. I think there's a, there's a whole level of uh, therapy there that you know, I find that you can't get with anything else. And uh, horses, are especially, I grew up around horses. My sister had one, and uh, you're very lucky lucky to have that. And I know that you uh, look forward to sharing that with a lot of people and uh, and uh, helping a lot of people. And I'm looking forward to like talking to you more about that down the road. Hopefully, um, uh, maybe on one of your ventures. I don't want to say too much, but um, hopefully we can. Uh, communicate uh, soon and uh, do this again and like i said man i it's been a real privilege and an honor and uh uh this has been honestly it's a dream come true like i've been looking forward to to doing this for months uh, i've been you know thinking and and re i reached out to you but i uh, didn't hear back a couple times i think just you weren't checking your facebook and then i kind of just you know asked other people and but you were always there and like i i think if i look back at my messages i think i reached out to you like in around like episode eight or nine uh is when i first like heard about your story and uh um so i'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to do this and, and you taking the time and i know that it was uh, a little later than than what uh we had we had planned so i appreciate your patience and uh i, I like i said i look forward to building a friendship and, and just know that uh if you ever need uh, anything or someone to talk to uh, yes i'm younger uh, but but I'm here for you as a friend, and uh, the Puck Sport Foundation is here for you, and and uh, for anybody else that's listening. And I look forward to bringing you and uh, your ventures uh, involved uh, in any capacity that you want to be involved. You uh, have a standing invitation, my friend. We would be uh, honored to have you uh, on board at, at any capacity, like I said. So thank you, Clint. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Okay, Clint. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Guys, that's episode number 45 in the books. 
wow, Clint Malarchuk. Uh, incredible, incredible story. Um, guys, you know, please support him. Uh, check out his book. Uh, it's, I can't wait. Uh, my dad, like I said, is uh, sending me a copy, uh, his copy. So uh, can't wait to read that. I, I want to say thank you uh, to Aaron Miller for sending me a copy of the, uh, her book, Miller Strong. Um, thank you everyone for the birthday wishes. Um, the second half of 32 was simply incredible. And 33 is going to be, uh, without a doubt, my best year yet. And uh, I look forward to everything um, that's going to take place. Uh, yes, is there going to be hard moments? I don't doubt it. But I look forward to embracing those uh, those challenges uh, You know, with a smile on my face. Uh, always remembering to be grateful. If you're listening to this, guys, you have ears. Stop right now. Take a look around wherever you are. Think about the things you have in your life. Stop thinking about the things you don't have or what other people have that you don't have. Or, you know, uh, you know, maybe you're you know, not happy with your body type or you're like, like, you know what? Be happy with what you have. Whatever it is, own it, love it, appreciate it. Be grateful. Life can change in the, in the blink of an eye, guys. It can be taken from us. Our loved ones can be taken from us. Uh, everything can just come crashing down so just enjoy every second of every single day and seriously just live with the attitude of gratitude uh, and just be kind I know Ellen says it I'm not trying to reiterate what she says but seriously do something kind today get out of your comfort zone and, and seriously just do something generous be generous with your time with your money whatever it is guys do something out of your comfort zone make the world a better place uh, to make someone's day better guys please 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 if you do have a little bit of extra money please donate to the puck support foundation we need all the help that we can get to change the world change the hockey community there's so many of us struggling out there uh, though i'm you know on a good path i still struggle every day i still struggle um, but i have the supports in place and uh, the resources that i need um, and, uh, you know, I want to make sure that uh, everyone in the hockey community is able to have those resources and, and uh, we continue to build, build the resources and build our team. And it doesn't matter where the people live, that uh, they'll be able to stay connected with the hockey community. Um, and I really think that's going to be the key to, uh, to saving lives, guys. And uh, if you're struggling, um, please reach out, if not to me, to somebody else. Um, don't be shy. Um, I'm very friendly and open. Uh, I can't promise that I can make time for everybody. Uh, I have a young family uh, that I need to start making a little more time for. Taylor, thank you for your patience. Uh, I'm always working hard on, on the podcast and, and the foundation. It's it's just it has my attention and my passion, and I just I I love it. I'm just I'm so driven. I, I want to make a difference. I want to share my story, but more than anything, I just want to help people. Uh, and I want to connect people and just let people know that there's hope, uh, that uh, it's never too late for redemption. And uh, for everyone that we've lost, like Matthew Vincinski, I just, you know, I want to be their voice. I want us to be their voice at the Puckspark Foundation. And uh, I never want to see those headlines anymore, those tragic headlines. So guys, please support the Puck Support Foundation. Follow me on social media at Hockey to Heroin, at Hockey to Heroin Podcast, at Puck Support, and at Pucks and Plants. 
I'm currently working on bringing the, the, the most up-to-date ed, uh, information and educate everybody on CBD and all the plant medications and how they pertain to athletics and especially hockey. Um, so guys, check it out. And of course, follow Riley Cote, who is uh, the guy that I lean on and look to uh, to teach me and uh, to what he's doing is simply incredible. I look to emulate that up here in Canada. The Pucksport Foundation also needs your help, guys. Volunteers, I'm looking to host a three-on-three tournament up here in Muskoka. If you think that that's a great idea and you want to get involved and help set it up or you want to sponsor anything, please email us, team at pucksport.com, T-E-A-M at pucksupport.com. Guys, uh, please, if you really want to support me, uh, which so many people have uh, through email transfers and stuff, uh, that has been incredible because honestly, guys, I'm broke um, and every little bit counts. It makes me feel so awkward, um, but I do appreciate it. But if anybody wants to support me, um, you can do so through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash hockey to heroin. Um, check it out, guys. And, it, you know, it's like a monthly membership thing and there's different tiers. And at least this way, I can give you guys something back in return. Uh, for your monthly subscription, I'll send like autographed pictures or or whatever it is. Uh, look in the tier system, guys. I'm going to continue to build that. Patreon.com slash Hockey to Heroin. Thank you to David Carlson and my newest patron, Brenna Leary. Um, thank you so much. Um, and guys, I, I truly appreciate it. So is my family uh, as I continue to... Uh, you know, build my financial uh, life up. It's it's in shambles, guys, but not for long. I'm very hopeful, and I'm just so grateful. I have nothing to complain about. Things are happening, and uh, I'm a rich man. Maybe not with money in my pockets today, uh, but I'm a rich man just with, with love and hope. I'm so full of hope and gratitude, and I just want to say thank you so, so much for everyone that's listened. Please subscribe wherever you're listening and please take the time if you can to rate and review. It just takes a few seconds, but it means the world to me. Please subscribe. Um, and guys, follow the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. <laughs>